I want to add my welcome to uh, to each of us, to to each of us, and um, to all of us, meaning all of who we are. So, and I want to invite you also um, into into that gesture, just energetically of welcome, of both welcoming each other as we as we weave together this community uh, and welcoming yourself. And again, that that means all of who we are. The parts that we're proud of, the parts that we love, that we like to be seen, and the parts maybe that we're not so proud of, you know, that we prefer would not be seen. And even those parts of us that maybe we don't know very well yet, that which is mysterious or unseen. And that which is beyond all of the words and the personality. I also want to begin by respectfully acknowledging the indigenous people who have lived on this land for generations, the Nipmuc people who still live in this region and who have looked after and cared for this land for many generations. It's a great privilege and an honor to have this time together to explore something as essential to our life as relationship. And this particular medium through which we relate as human beings of speech, which includes more than what we say, obviously. It includes our thoughts, how we listen, even the intentions and qualities of heart that we bring to an interaction, as we'll see. And I would be remiss in not expressing the profound joy and happiness I feel to be here with my good Dharma brother and friend, Bart. Super, yeah. super sweet to be here together. Yeah. Bart and I went through the teacher training together here at IMS and Spirit Rock. And um, in addition to sharing that bond and some just affection as human beings and friends, um, I've been teaching this uh, some program on speech here for the last four years. This is the fourth year, and Effie was here last year when, when I taught. And uh, for a long time, I've wanted to um, integrate insight dialogue into the work that I do with right speech and mindful communication and nonviolent communication. And um, so I think we're all in for a really rich and... Uh, meaningful journey together. This journey, I think, is really one of exploring 
exploring what it is to be human. You know, and uh, such a such a core part of what it is to be in this particular body, in this particular form in life, is our relationships with one another. You know, we are deeply social creatures. It's uh, it's in our in our DNA and in our ancestry that um, we're. We're creatures who, who like and expect to be in a tribe, in a community, where we know the people around us and we have a, a shared meaning with the people near us. And uh, our everything in our biology is expecting to live in a certain way that humans have lived for millennia with these strong bonds and connections and a history and a connection to place, you know, a sense of belonging in, uh, in our community and with the land and with a sense of purpose, a sense of knowing why we're here and what we're working towards individually and collectively. And for the first time in human history, for many thousands of years, we ain't got that. A lot of that's been washed away, you know, by industrialization and globalization and the kind of economy we live in and just the sheer size of the, the species, you know, the population, the way we've populated the planet. So there's this, uh, there's kind of this disconnect between what our nervous system is expecting to come into the kind of life that, that we as, as organisms are kind of ready for when we're born and the, the society and the culture that for the most part, not exclusively, mm. you know, but for the most part, most of the beings on human beings on the planet don't have. And so we have this gift of, uh, of a practice, of a path, to, uh, to investigate what it's like to be alive and to see how do we make sense of this particular moment in history? How do we make sense of what it is to be human and to be alive on the planet today? Given what we're expecting <laughs> and given what we find. And then the, the, the particular aspect of that question that we're here to explore together is, is this. What's happening right now? There's something happening right now. There's a connection. That's, that's outside of any one of us. I mean, there are words coming out of this body, but we're all listening. I don't know what I'm going to say from one moment to the next. This isn't written. We're beginning a process of discovery, a journey together of learning. And so we have this practice that comes from 25, 2600 years that's been passed down from one person to the next 
from generation to generation of looking deeply into the human mind and heart and seeking to understand at the deepest level what is it to be alive and how do we fulfill our potential as human beings how do we how do we contact that which is beyond the words how do we live in full awareness of that which is sacred or secret that we that we know somewhere inside but can't quite put our finger on And so within this path, within this, this rich practice that comes out of the Buddhist tradition, um, which has meditation as one of its foundations, but not the only one, there's, uh, there's this invitation to examine our speech, to examine the way that we communicate. And within that invitation, the, uh, the potential or the promise that our words can actually be a vehicle for that journey. That rather than being something that gets in the way, something that, that takes us out of our deepest yearning or our most intimate aspirations as human beings. Rather than being something that takes us away from that, it can actually take us deeper into it. It can reveal that. It can be in support of it. So this is what we're here to explore. And within that, all of these beautiful intentions for connection, for harmony, for understanding and empathy. To feel more, to come from the heart, to find balance in our lives, to be able to ask for our needs, to give and receive support. That all of that can be revealed and discovered as, as, we, uh, as we turn towards this particular dimension of being alive, of our speech and communication. That it, it holds this, uh, like this treasure chest of, uh, of, of, of insight and transformation. Precisely because it's so core to what it is to be human precisely because it's this central medium through which we naturally long to find what we're expecting, the connection, the community, the belonging, the meaning in life. And so the, um, again, this invitation that the Buddha makes to us in the Eightfold Noble Path 
is that speech can be a vehicle for awakening. And not just any speech, right speech. Samavacca. Sama, which is often translated as right, which has a lot of different meanings. There's a lot of nuances in that word. It has the connotation of being ethically uh, upright, wholesome, beneficial. So speech that is in line with our, our ethical sense. Sama also, it's related to the, to the words that we have in English, summit or summary. That same S-U-M-M. So it carries this connotation of, of complete or whole. Sometimes it's translated as mature. So speech that is mature, that's a reflection of what it is to be a mature human being, means that we speak and listen and relate in a certain way. But there's another meaning I think to this uh, this word sama, which is that it's right, it's right speech in the sense that it's going in the right direction. If your aim is awakening, so if you ask me how to get to downtown Barry, and I say you go that way and you start walking that way, I'm going to say, you're going in the wrong direction. That's not the right way to go to Barry. It's going to take you a really long time. You're probably not going to get there. <laughs> Try going this way. So this is another, another way of understanding the Eightfold Path, the Eightfold Noble Path. What is right about it is that it's the, it's the right direction if this is where you're wanting to go. And we'll have a lot more time to continue to explore that. So maybe I'll turn it over to you mm -hmm. now, Bart. Thank you. Yeah. One of the main reasons for me to become very interested in relational meditation practices um, has to do with the fact that, as Arne was mentioning, we are wired to be relational. Like, how much of our time do we spend interacting with other people? And if you look at a lot of spiritual practices, they're mostly focused on stuff that you do by yourself. Like, has any of you ever done a silent retreat? Just raise your hand, yeah. Right. Has, any, has any of you never done a retreat before? Cool, just wanted to check that too, yeah, welcome. <laughs> So you're doing something that might not be so, um, it's a little more, I would say, extraordinary because most of the retreats are actually about cultivating meditative qualities just within and by yourself. You're still in a group and you get that support. And there's a, there's a tremendous value in it. But I also noticed that, for example, to really see speech in action, we need to talk. Right? To really notice what you feel like when you're meeting a person one-to-one. -one. You have to be in, in connection with one another. And that is so beautiful about this particular um, practice that we will offer you. All these practices. Where you really get to see what it's like to be human in relationality, in relationship. You get to explore it in large groups. You can even check it right now. What's it like to be in this circle? 
We will also offer practices in smaller groups and in pairs and dyads. We really get to observe what it's like to be human. You get to notice, for example, moments when you're creating suffering, stress. You get to notice moments very clearly where you're doing the opposite, moments of freedom. All in relationality. And so this is a very unique opportunity to be in this learning community. And um, once there's a famous passage, Ora and I will explore a lot of teachings from, um, from the Buddha, and there's a famous passage where his attendant, who is his cousin, Ananda, and they're looking at a large group of monastic people practicing and doing laundry, what have you. And he tells the Buddha, like, isn't like community half of this, this practice, this holy life? And the Buddha, always keeping it real and honest, he goes, no. It's the whole of this practice. And that, to me, it took a while to kind of reflect, especially in the world where we do so much, as Aaron was saying, just individually. Like when I'm in New York, I hear a lot of people, oh, I'll meditate with my earplugs in. I'll do headspace. That's good for me. And there is some benefit to it. But for me, it really became alive when I also started to explore it in community. And that's what we want to kind of um, transfer into now is um, we want to invite you into something that is a tradition that is as old as the Buddhist teachings. And that is when you set a specific time to do something special. And this could be daily. It could be on a retreat like this. Um, to explore what it is we can take refuge in. And in the Buddhist tradition, there is three, you could call them jewels, where we could take refuge in. And I just want to explore these three with you. Um, the first one being, traditionally, the Buddha. And for me, sometimes just looking at a Buddha statue kind of reminds me of that how I'm relating in this world right now is because of a human being who lived a really, really long time. And this was a very powerful human being because guess what? We wouldn't have been here in Barrie, Massachusetts without this human being right now. So that's one way of kind of reflecting on taking refuge into what's called Buddha. But another way of looking at it is to take refuge in the quality to wake up within yourself. This ability that we have to be present, to be awake. So for me, every time I remember to be awake, to be mindful, I sometimes notice within myself, oh, taking refuge in Buddha. And then the Buddha offers so many wise lessons, but also a lot of kind and compassionate lessons. And what I really like about when you mix the word kindness and mindfulness, you get kindfulness. So, kindfulness. So, and that to me kind of sums the whole thing up, that it's, you're not just being aware, but with a specific attitude. So taking refuge in the Buddha is just to kind of taking refuge in kindfulness.
And then the second jewel uh, one can take refuge in is the Dharma, which is sometimes translated as the teachings of the Buddha, these wisdom and teachings on compassion. But Dharma can also point to nature. Do you, for example, remember, did you hear the wind blowing when we were sitting? <laughs> and just to kind of tune into that experience of the wind blowing and how it's changing, to kind of connect or attune to how the nature is kind of flowing, always flowing. For me, whenever I realize when I'm just kind of connecting to the flow of experience and sound, in, a, in communicating and being, it's to me also another way of taking refuge into the Dharma, into the nature of how things are. And then when there is a sense of trust with that, that I can trust this changing, flowing experience, it feels like a refuge into Dharma. And then the last refuge is the refuge in a community with the intention to wake up. And that's where we're in right now. Isn't that cool? <laughs> the whole of the holy path. And really, quite honestly, if I would not have had the supportive community, I would have stopped meditating. I wouldn't have continued. Because it's kind of hard to keep remembering to be awake all by yourself. It's so easy to go back into our routines. So here we get the opportunity to wake up together using the vehicle of speech and how, and how it unfolds. Like as Oren was saying, it's not just the language. It's, do you know the percentage of speech that you know, the scientists always say that is nonverbal? What's it like? Or it's like 70% or something. It's like a lot, right? We're so attuned. Here we can take refuge into knowing that this person is having the same intention to wake up. And taking refuge is, is like also into, uh, into sangha, into community, is also knowing that you can ask for help. Once I took refuge into community when I was at IMS, and I had a tick. And I went to the staff and just really felt that sense of connection and support and care that I got from the staff. So I really also wanted to invite you to kind of see taking refuge into, into community right now, into asking for help if needed. Yeah. So we'll do this in a, kind of a formal ritual way by, uh, by actually chanting these three refuges in the ancient language of the Buddhist texts, which is Pali. <clears throat> Taking refuge in the Buddha, in whatever that means to you, in terms of the terms that Bart has offered, taking refuge in the Dhamma and the Sangha. And um, this, is, uh, this is not required if you don't feel comfortable. It's 
find, just listen or just silently kind of set your intention in this way. Um, but for those who like, uh, we'll do this call and response. So I'll chant one or two words and then you can chant it back. And um, some people might like to put your hands together like this. Uh, it's, uh, again, optional. It's We're not praying to anyone or anything. It's... Uh, it's, it's both a gesture of respect and also kind of just a way of focusing and centering one's attention. You know, just, just it's called a mudra. So you just when you put your hands together in this position, just the way the nerves all connect and line up sort of does something to the mind. So first we'll chant the... Um, the homage, which is just a sign of respect and gratitude for these teachings. Namo tasa. Namo tasa. Bhagavato. Bhagavato. Arahato. Arahato. Sama sambuddhasa. Sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa. Namo tasa. Bhagavato. Bhagavato. Arahato. Arahato. Sama sambuddhasa. Sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa. Namo tasa Bhagavato Bhagavato Arahato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Sama Sambuddhasa Buddhang Saranang Buddhang Saranang Gachami Gachami Dhammang Saranang Dhammang Saranang Gachami Gachami Sanghang Saranang Sanghang Saranang Gachami Gajami Dutiampi Dutiampi Buddhang Saranang Gajami Buddhang Saranang Gajami Dhammang Saranang Gachami Dhammang Saranang Gachami Sanghang Saranang Gachami Sanghang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Tatiampi And all together now Buddhang Saranang Gachami Dhammang Saranang Gachami 
So these three refuges form like a foundation for us to draw support from. And we can also draw support from the way that we share uh, this time and this space together as a, as a learning community. And one of the ways of expressing our uh, deepest intentions of care and respect for one another uh, is through what's known in the Buddhist tradition as the five precepts, which are ways of training ourselves to be more aware of our impulses and our effect on one another. And so this is the traditional training that's offered in the Buddhist tradition um, in how to be a decent human being, mm. basically. And so um, these, uh, these five trainings or precepts as they're sometimes called, this is not about uh, beating ourselves up or not being good enough or... Uh, feeling cramped or rigid. It's, it's about learning. It's about studying ourselves and um, learning what brings well-being and seeing how certain actions uh, create more difficulty in our lives and the lives of others. And, and when, we don't, when we don't do those things, uh, how there's more happiness and uh, peace in our mind and our heart. And so these five trainings will be part of the kind of kind of like the scaffolding of our time together. It's uh, a way that we can all agree to um, to support the work that we're doing just on the most fundamental level. And so the first of these is to uh, to refrain from taking the life of any living creature. So to, uh, to have a sense of reverence and care for life, including all of the little critters that we share the space with. And, you know, if there's a spider or moth in your room, to see if you can, you know, catch it and take it out rather than just smushing it, that impulse to destroy that which we don't like. And to check that impulse and see what the result of that is. And then the, the second precept is uh, to refrain from taking that which is not given. So there's a little bit of a refinement on stealing. It's actually looking and see, well, what's been offered to me? And to have a sense of generosity and respect for resources, for how we use resources. And the third of these trainings is about being mindful of our sexual energy and really taking care with it. It's a very powerful energy. There's nothing wrong or amoral about sexuality, but when it's not used wisely, it can, can lead to a lot of harm 
as I'm sure many of us know and have seen in our own lives. And so for the, um, for the sake of this retreat, uh, the uh, request and the agreement would be to maintain celibacy for these five or six days, which means to not intentionally engage in any sexual activity, and again, to be mindful and careful of our sexual energy so that we're creating a space of safety and respect for one another. And in our day-to-day -day life, when we're not on retreat, this training principle becomes um, using our sexual energy with care so that we're not causing harm. And then the fourth, uh, the fourth training is kind of the focus of our retreat, which is about our speech. So traditionally it's talked about as not lying, not using harsh speech, divisive or malicious speech, and idle speech, speech that has no purpose whatsoever. And so we'll be looking at this a lot more carefully, but for the sake of our retreat, um, we will be uh, maintaining what's known as noble silence. So outside of our sessions together, in which we're doing formal explorations, formal experiments and practices with speech, Outside of those interpersonal meditations, we'll be in silence. And this is a way to support the deepening of presence, of mindfulness and concentration, so that, the en so that our energy can gather and collect and be that much more powerful and uh, incisive when we come to the relational explorations. And so as um, Abigail was kind of jokingly referring to, noble silence includes reading. Um, it definitely includes the internet and our phones and, and email. So the, uh, the request and the invitation is to really unplug for these next five days and to let that thinking faculty, the stories and the engaging, just start to slowly quiet through the meditation and the practices that we'll be doing, to not stimulate it extra with, uh, with speech and writing and, and texting and emailing. So, uh, you know, if you haven't let your loved ones know that that's the case and people are expecting to hear from you, um, find a send a quick text message after our, our session tonight and just let folks know, hey, I'm not going to be in touch. I love you. Everything's cool. It's not a cult. <laughs> I'll talk to you in five days. You know, put an auto reply on your email and a message on your voicemail that says, I'm out of touch. I'll talk to you on Wednesday. And then the last is to refrain from intoxicants. And uh, the way it's phrased is intoxicants that cloud the mind and cause heedlessness. And so this is about um, supporting clarity. The whole point of this practice is to have the mind and the heart be clear. Insight meditation is to see clearly. And so we want to avoid substances that go against that kind of clarity. Um, if you take prescription medication, that's not included, please keep taking that. We're talking about recreational drugs and alcohol, things like that. 
So um, we'll do this again, call and response. We'll do this in English. And again, you can uh, do this out loud or you can do it silently, just kind of reflecting and taking on this commitment. But I, I would invite you to, to uh, experiment and say it out loud. There is a certain kind of a power in verbalizing our commitment and our intention. I undertake the training to refrain from taking the life of any living creature. I undertake the training to refrain from taking the life of any living creature. I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which is not given. I undertake the training to refrain from what is not given. I undertake the training to refrain from any kind of intentional sexual activity. I undertake the training to remain from any sexual activity. I undertake the training to maintain noble silence. I undertake the training to maintain noble silence. I undertake the training to refrain. This is a long one, so we're going to break it up. I undertake the training to refrain. I undertake the training to refrain from intoxicants that from intoxicants that cloud the mind and cause heedlessness. That cloud the mind and cause heedlessness. just appreciating these beautiful commitments. In Pali, there's a blessing that says, Silena sugatinyanti, silena boga sampada, silena nibutinyanti, tasma silangvido visodaye, which means these precepts are a path to happiness. a path to fulfillment and blessing, a vehicle for awakening. May our conduct reflect our deepest intentions. So let's just sit together for a moment and let the words settle before we close. Once again, just noticing how it is for you right now.
How many of you have probably had a long day? So um, we hope that you rest well, have uh, good dreams, and rise refreshed. Uh, the wake-up bell is at 6.15, if that's not too painful. Uh, we'll have a morning session tomorrow, each morning, starting at uh, 6.45 for a half an hour sit in silence, and it'll end with a, with a short chant. And uh, if you've come from a really busy week and you're just totally exhausted, uh, find a sleep in. You know, don't, don't push yourself tomorrow. Um, and don't beat yourself up if you can't make it. Uh, and those, those who have the energy, you can make it tomorrow morning at 6.45. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.